Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the Podcast PD Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Be sure to check out all the other great education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to episode 66 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in your class tomorrow. I'm Casey Bell from Shake Up Learning. And I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And in today's episode, we have a special guest to introduce to all of you. You are going to get to hear from Mandy Tolan, who is a math teacher from Missouri. And she is a Google certified innovator. And the thing that impresses me most about her is that she teaches math and she uses storytelling features and narrative and stuff like that. And of course, infuses it with Google Slides and Google Drawings and all sorts of fun Googly things. So uh, she does some really neat things, has shared a lot of cool stuff on her blog. And so we're going to get to hear all about that today. Of course, we've also got Google News and updates and we got a couple of blog posts to share with you. So Casey, should we get started? Let's do it. Okay, y'all, let's jump into some Google news and updates. And the first thing I want to kick off with is probably the biggest update that we've had in Google for Education in a while. And it has to do with the new quizzes feature inside Google Classroom. So we were told way back, um, actually, I think we even were told maybe in the summer, but we at least knew by August that this feature was coming and everybody's been asking, when, Casey, when, when are we going to see this? And we are getting much, much closer. So what we got is uh, the ability to add a quiz inside the classwork page in Google Classroom. So you can now create the quiz from Classroom instead of having to separately open Google Forms and set up your quiz there. Now, um, that feature is rolling out as we speak. So if you don't see it yet, don't panic. Um, there, there's sometimes a, a little bit of a delay depending on how your, your domain is set up and whether they get updates immediately or not. So hang in there. We're almost there. Now, the other thing that everybody has really been waiting for is the ability to use locked mode inside the quiz, meaning the kids can't open new t- 
tabs when they're taking a quiz in Google Forms. And this is something teachers have been asking for for a few years, really. And it's it's coming soon. So what they have released is an ability to sign up for the beta testing program. So if it's something you're willing to test for Google and check out, you can do that. But here's the catch. The locked mode is only going to work on managed Chromebooks. And so, you you know, not just any Chromebook either. You're going to have to be, I think you have to be running as a uh, Chrome OS 68 or higher. So you've got to be sure that you actually can use it before you want to sign up. But um, that's that's one piece that, that you can try in a beta testing phase. The other piece is the fact that they have introduced a new grade book. And I really don't know how important this is just yet. But um, an improved gradebook is always good. I just know most teachers still don't use the grading feature inside Classroom yet because it they're still forced to use some other type of gradebook. So the better grading in Classroom is going to include the ability to view all of the grades in one place, meaning you see like a grid view of your gradebook like you do in most other types of online gradebooks, averages, great categories and some settings. So it's definitely getting us closer to a more robust grading system inside Google Classroom. So that's also something you can test in the beta phase. So um, that's a lot of stuff there, Matt, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you said what you did about the uh, grade book. You know, the majority of people that I know that use Google Classroom just don't use the grade book feature that much. And so, um, like you said, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, um, how much you all love this. So once you start getting access to it, if you are a big grade book user, then please do let us know what you think and we'll kind of pass that along. And as far as the locked mode goes, you know, um, this is one of those kind of contentious things with teachers. And you can kind of see it both ways. I know sometimes when we start talking about quizzes like this, people will go, yeah, but our answers to our assessment shouldn't be Googleable, and we need to, you know, kind of step it, step up our game a little bit from there. And I kind of see that. But then there are also times where you just need to have a standard quiz. So I guess it kind of depends on what your, what your goals are for your quiz. And, um, you know, what you're trying to assess and what you're trying to do. So I know there are some people who have been, you know, waiting with bated breath for this for a long time. So um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how um, how this all pans out. So our next update has to do with a new product. So if you're not familiar with the Pixel Slate, the Pixel Slate is a new tablet that we've got that's that's coming out with Google. Um, it's also got its related keyboard, the Pixel Slate keyboard. Um, this reminds me a lot of the the Microsoft Surface in some ways. So I haven't gotten to play with it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how similar or, or different they are. But um, the Slate is now available, and if you haven't gotten your hands on it. Um, you know, it does integrate, of course, very well with your Google account all the way across the board. Um, some other things about it to know, it's only about a pound and a half and seven mil- millimeters thin. So it is very, very slim. It's got cameras on both sides, on the front and the back. Um, you get automatic security updates with Chrome OS. So that's, you know, the 
that's one of the the big uh, Google features with a lot of the new Google products. Um, you've got Google Play apps that will play in it. So it will run the mobile apps. And then, of course, you can run things out of the browser just like you can off of a Chromebook. Um, so anyway, it um, it's it's pretty cool. Um, it'll be interesting to see if... Um, if this crosses over into the education market, and if so, how much? Because, of course, we still do have lots of schools that are one-to-one with iPads or that use iPads heavily. And so uh, schools that do have tablets, you know, there's there's still plenty of those around. And it'll be interesting to see if this starts to take the place of those or if people start to switch over in this direction. Because I know, especially with those iPad schools, the ability to type and then having a good usable keyboard is super important in schools. So I don't know, Casey, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in the education market. Yeah. So I, I was really interested. I clicked on it to see how much it, it was selling for. So, you know, five ninety nine, still a pretty affordable tablet, but it's not the um, the Chrome tab sort of affordability that, you know, that just was released right. not too long ago. But I feel like we haven't had enough time with the Chrome tab to see what that's going to do either. So um, I could see, you know, this is kind of like, I guess, the higher end version of that. Of course, that's usually what they do when they name it Pixel. But um, it, it should be interesting because, I, you know what, I know schools that still spend tons of money on iPads. So uh, I I don't know. It, we, we shall see. So if anybody actually ends up going with one of these tablets, please let us know how it goes in the classroom. Right. Absolutely. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to share has to do with Google Classroom again. So we're going to circle back around to um, a G Suite update. And this is actually for users who don't have G Suite for education. So Google Classroom became available with personal accounts, um, I want to say maybe like a year and a half ago. And that was a pretty big deal because teachers who were at schools that hadn't gone Google, didn't have G Suite for Education, kind of had their hands tied, or people like me and Matt who wanted to do things with mixed groups. um, It it was really difficult to do that without personal accounts. But now they're opening the doors to G Suite Basic Business and Enterprise so that they can use the platform. And so even though I know most schools are going to be in that, that education Piece. There are plenty of schools, especially international schools that I have worked with that um, are still struggling to get G Suite for education. So they may be um, moving into something more like the G Suite enterprise or basic or business. So um, just to let you know that that is now something that they can access in those other types of G Suite accounts. Yeah, it's nice that everybody gets is starting to get more and more access to this because we know we we know the impact that it has had in the um in the education sector. So you know, and I then, wait. Mm-hmm, I should mention I should mention one more thing since we talked about the quiz feature because that feature only works in G Suite for Education. So there will still uh, be advantages to staying in education. Good point. Very good. And then the last thing we've got, this is a real quick one. Um, this has to do with Meet or Hangouts Meet. So this is the the video call sort of like um, you know, the the communication tool that has has gotten kind of more and more popular as of late. And what we've been able to do to this point is we've been able to do video calls and share screens and all that. One thing that I like about Meet too is that you can call in with a phone if you need to. So there's lots of ways to join. And now the the latest update is that you can do Hangouts Meet meetings 
with up to 100 participants. If you're doing G Suite Enterprise, it says G Suite Business is up to 50. And so if you have a reason to host one of these with a whole bunch of people where everybody has the possibility of interacting, then you're able to do that. But if you, if for some reason you want to do something more like a live streaming type of thing, then, you know, you can, you can still do that with the live streaming feature and you can actually get like, you know, tens of thousands of viewers to, to view a video call all at once. I don't know that I have anything to say that tens of thousands of people would want to like listen to, right? And in the moment that I'm saying it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that they have to hear. I don't know, Matt, you've right. got some big fans. You uh, might, you might have that. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know. I'd be like, hey, guess what? My dog's chewing up my shoe. Everybody want to watch? <laughs> Jimmy Matt's shoe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Live in person right now. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. So anyway, if uh, if you want to catch up on any of these news and updates, you can, of course, go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 66. All right, Tribe, the time is here. You finally get to meet Mandy. So uh, I was telling you a little bit earlier about um, who she is and what she does. She is a high school math teacher in Missouri and um, is doing some really cool things with Google in her classroom. And Mandy, I don't want to steal your thunder too much. So let's just kick it over to you. Can you tell everybody just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, I've been a classroom teacher now for a while. We won't say how many years. Um, I have taught, I've taught high school math. I've taught high school English. Um, I've taught middle school math as well. And I have served as a technology director in one of my previous schools. Um, I am also a Google certified innovator, which has been an amazing experience. And I help teachers in my district and other districts all the time, not only with technology, but with better ways to teach students. And, you know, Mandy, I think you are a particularly great person for us to have on the tribe today because you're a math teacher. And I get questions all the time from math teachers who struggle with how in the world do I integrate all this technology and this Mm -hmm. googly stuff in my classroom and you're doing it and you're doing it in some interesting ways, in ways that other math teachers are probably not thinking about just yet. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your venture into using technology as a math teacher? My adventure actually started when they gave us iPads and at the time it was uh, Pages we were doing a drag and drop activity. I despise cutting out paper because then you have to keep track of it. Between every class period, if a student loses something, then you have to make another copy and cut it out. So I thought, you know, I'm going to take this drag and drop manipulative activity and I'm going to turn it into something that they could do on the iPad. So in pages, I just made draggable boxes and turned it into that activity. And it just kind of morphed from there. So then when we got Chromebooks, the beauty of Chrome, everything just opened. I mean, there are so many things now that we can do. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you on that. And I think that that's a pretty common place for people to start is, um, you know, take something that you know how to do in the classroom and then just sort of transfer it over like that sort of substitution level at the beginning. And um, there's definitely no no shame in that. And the, the more that we learn, things just sort of start to improve. And so speaking of that, some of the things that I know that you've gotten to do in your classroom have to do with using like narrative and storytelling in 
the math classroom, which is what totally amazes me about this. And I didn't realize that you had been an English teacher at some point. So this shouldn't come as too big of a surprise <laughs> to me that, that you would, you would try to do this. So can you tell us a little bit about that, about how you use narrative storytelling, stuff like that and Google within the, the framework of a, of a math lesson? So I actually got the idea from Ditch That Textbook. <gasps> I know, shocking. Um, though Matt had some choose-your-own-adventure stories that he was doing. And as I was reading through it, I thought, wow, I could do this with my math classroom. We could integrate storytelling with math and we could create this activity. My students start, they have to storyboard their story and it does have math in it. So they have to create the equations that go with it. The wrong path in their story has to be based on common misconceptions. So we do get to talk about that aspect of learning as well. But their story has to support it. So if they take the wrong path, then they have to have something in the storyline, you know, that would talk about a pitfall that the character in the story would have or something like that, and then redirect them back to the path. So it is really cool to be able to have students write stories, especially students who may not like math very much, but they do really enjoy reading and writing stories. So that kind of brings them into my math classroom and gets them really involved and they enjoy that. I love that. Yeah. No, especially because, yeah, I I was a language arts teacher and I love bringing storytelling and there's stories in every subject, right, that we can bring in, um, that we can recreate and connect to other types of content. So I love your choose your own adventure. I'm looking at your blog post right now. And um, by the way, just so the tribe is up to date, her her blog is infinitelyteaching.wordpress.com. And of course, we will have the link to her blog and all of her resource in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 66. But I also was really taken back when I saw what you did with the memory game. That is brilliant, by the way. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I love this. Yes. And I remember seeing this on Twitter and and it's just a completely different, you know, because when people think of the memory game, they're thinking of the game that the, the little four and five-year-olds are playing, right? Right. But you have definitely put a more sophisticated um, twist on this for your math classroom. So would you mind sharing a little bit about the memory game and how you created it? Absolutely. So we used um, a Google site, which you could use Google Drawing as well. Once again, the reason that I did that is because with classes changing all the time, a memory game with all those pieces of paper, some of them are bound to get lost. So I really wanted to have the opportunity to give this to students. And also then, since it's in Google, they can take it later and practice it again. And so I laid out my board in Google Slides. And then once I had everything laid out that I wanted, I downloaded that background as a PNG. So then it was when I uploaded it back into slides, then it was set. And Matt, I know, has tutorials for that on his blog. So <laughs> you can see that there as well. And then I created the cards that went on top of it um, that kind of hid the board behind it. And so what they would do is they would click on two cards and delete them. And if they were a match, then they would leave them deleted. And if they weren't, you just hit the undo button twice and it puts the card back on the table. That's great because I don't think a lot of people even looking at the animation where you're showing that would think, oh, just 
control Z, right? Right. Absolutely. You know, just undo to make, to bring it back because everybody's like, well, how do you, how do you get the little layer on it? So you do have to see this y'all on, <laughs> on her blog um, to see what we're talking about. And of course my mind is spinning right now because I don't remember any of my equations, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I would not do very well on this game, but um, no, I love it. And of course, you know, we are big fans of Google slides on the tribe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that the the trick to make this work is just the undo button. I mean, that's kind of the big thing. It's like it's a whole bunch of um, equations and graphs down below, and we've got all of the little squares for the cards up on top, and then you just delete them out and you use the undo feature. I mean, that's just that's so good, and it can be collaborative. You can have you know multiple kids working on it at once, and yeah, this is this is really good stuff. Let's move on to something else here. And um, actually, real quick, um, you were talking about Choose Your Own Adventure a little bit earlier. Um, there is a link in the uh, show notes to that. But um, before we go on to the the next thing I wanted to ask you about, would you mind giving us just the real quick summary on how you make a Choose Your Own Adventure like within slides or forms or whatever it is you, you use now? Sure. So we use Google Forms um, and I give my students a storyboard that they fill out before we begin. And then inside of Google Forms, you can conditionally format it. So you can click on the button that says go to slide based on answer. And so then the students can then map through that sequence inside of Google Forms using the go to slide based on their response to it. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted you to to share with us. So, okay. So choose your own adventure stories and math. We've talked about doing memory games to match the equation with the graph. And then the next one I was hoping you could talk about, again, more cool things to, to do when teaching math is um, you actually have students create comic strips to, is it is it transformations that you have them that you have them demonstrate? It is, and so we actually start this lesson inside of a Google slide where we are using um, the tools that are built into Google to reflect and rotate and translate. Um, and you could even do dilations because if you hold the Shift key down, it will perfectly scale an image. So we can talk about dilations inside of Google as well. And so I teach my students how to use all of the tools, and then using Bitmoji. And my district is very generous in an opening Bitmoji for us to use. I teach them then how to put that information into these comic templates that we have. And they get to write a story where they're a superhero and they have to transform their way through this city where they're dodging obstacles and <laughs> and going this. through the whole journey with that. And so they're always amazing. Each year, I'm just always impressed with what the kids give me. Oh, these are so cute. I'm looking at the examples on your blog and I love this. Of course, you know, Matt and I talk about the comic strip idea a lot just in general. But again, to see it applied, especially in an, a more advanced math class, too, I think that this really helps highlight that, you know, that the technology and the way that you're teaching math doesn't just have to be, you know, working through the problems on, you know, with pencil and paper and to let the kids get creative and, of course, to be a superhero, right? That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, and see, for some of this, we even use it as alternative assessments. So for the choose your own adventure in geometry, that is one of the options they have instead of a traditional test where they can demonstrate their knowledge to us. Very good. That's that's so cool. Let's take a 
different turn now that we've, I mean, we've already had a, a few different things that we've talked about. Another one that you've written about that plays very much into all of this is the idea of math, math snaps. And of course, math snaps is a take off of book snaps, which is, um, which is an idea where you take a picture of a page of a book and then you kind of annotate on it and you draw and you underline things and add pictures and text to show your reflection about it. And, You've kind of taken this and and taken it. I know you're not the only one who's do who's done this, but you've kind of made it your own in that you've taken this idea of book snaps and brought it over to math, where you're taking a picture of what a math problem and then annotating and adding things to it. What does that look like? Well, so I absolutely love book snaps. The first time I saw them, I fell in love with them and immediately started thinking, how on earth can I use these in the math classroom? And about the same time, we were doing a catapult activity um, where students were launching a catapult. And then at the end, they had to graph the progression of the ball that they were launching. And I thought, you know, if we put that graph inside of Desmos, they could take a picture of that and then they could annotate the places. What was the initial height? Um, what was the maximum height? You know, where did it hit the ground? And so taking that idea, we annotated them with text boxes and then with bitmojis. So they were able to then pick a bitmoji that maybe represented the part of the graph that they were talking about. So it's a little bit of transfer, I think, when kids have to look for a bitmoji that actually represents what's happening inside the graph. That is super cool. And you are using bitmojis <laughs> everywhere. As we say, you know, drop a bitmoji on it. Drop but yeah, emoji. yes, yes. No, I love that. So um, that's, that's awesome. The math snap idea, which I think is really beginning to take off too. Um, and book snaps, you know, I'm still encountering a lot of people that kind of look at me funny when I, when I talk about those things, but, um, Desmos is fantastic for that. I would have never thought of using that application and doing a little app smashing. So for those who may not know what Desmos is, can, can you give us a little description? Sure. Desmos is an online graphing tool and they all, they have so much more than just graphing. They already have pre-created activities if you want to do that as well. But I use Desmos often because it's a very visual way for students to see what you're talking about and, and also just practice their graphing. But we use it more just for demonstration purposes. Even today, my students had an independent activity where they couldn't ask me any questions, but they had any resources on the internet and any resources that they had personally to use. And I had a student who was actually graphing it inside of Desmos so she could understand what was happening. So they're starting to use it on their own. Nice. That's so cool. Oh my goodness. There's been, there's been so much good stuff here. I mean, we're just filling up the show notes here with, with all of the, the links to everything that you've talked about. Cause you've blogged about everything that we've talked about. So if anybody wants to see how to do any of this stuff, of course, you can, you can go right over to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 66. So, I mean, we could go on and on. We haven't even talked about your experience in Toronto at the Google Innovator Academy, which I know that, you know, that, that could take up some more time too, but you do have a nice reflection here that um, folks can go check out. So um, let's kind of wrap this up real quick, Mandy. If um, if people want to get in contact with you or, you know, swap ideas or see some more cool things that you can do with math, do you have any resources or any places where they can get in touch with you? Um, they can always get in touch with me on Twitter and they can, you know, message me on Twitter and I would be glad to connect with them. I also have my email address 
um, in my bio, I believe on Twitter. I also know that it's in my blog that they can contact me at mtolan13 at gmail.com. On Twitter, you're Mandy Tolan, E-D-U, and that's Mandy, M-A-N-D-I, Tolan, T-O-L-E-N, E-D-U. And I, I got to tell you, I've been following Mandy for a long time, and there's all sorts of good stuff coming through that Twitter feed. So definitely go check her out. Yeah, Mandy, you are amazing. And we thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy school schedule to, to talk to us today and to share with other teachers. And I know you so freely share with other teachers. And I think that's, you know, that's something that we all appreciate. And I think we're going to hear back from a lot of other math teachers who are really excited about this episode. Awesome. Well, I am so excited that you invited me to be on the show. I love Google Teacher Tribe and I love both of you and learn so much from both of you. So this has been a real honor. Let's take a look at what's been going on on the blogs. I have a quick and timely uh, post to share with you. So uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but this this episode will actually come out the week of CS Ed Week and the Hour of Code. So if if you are participating or if you're trying to jump in and and participate last minute, I have a beginner's guide to the Hour of Code to answer all of those basic questions to get you started. And even if you've already done it before, you can find um, an entire table of resources that you can get, including probably the most popular activity this year, which is the new Grinch Hour of Code. Because yes, no, he's not stealing Christmas. He's stealing the Hour of Code. So, um, And that's for ages about 8 to 14. But um, there are tons of other options for other languages, all kinds of devices, lots of great things to get you going for the Hour of Code. And just a quick reminder, too, that um, my Google certification courses are going to um, close on December 4th. Okay, that's at midnight central time. No exceptions. That's just the last day that you can enroll. So you can learn more at getgooglecertified.com. Nice. Very good. And I'm thinking I may have to go check out that that Grinch activity too. I had not heard about that, but that sounds pretty cool. So, all right. Uh, I have a, a quick blog to share, blog post to share with you too. Um, this is an updated one. This was at one point, one of the most popular posts on my blog, and it used to read 10 Google Slides activities to add awesome to classes. Well, now it reads 20 Google Slides activities to add awesome to classes. This is an updated post. It's got some of my best stuff about using Google Slides. Casey, have we ever talked about Google Slides on the show before? This is a new thing. I have not heard this before, Matt. What is this? And it's not like slides (laughs) like on a playground, you know, although on the Google campus, I I bet they probably do have a slide or something. Actually, I'm pretty sure that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These are different slides. These are like presentation slides. Anyway, um, if you want to check this out, there's tons of um, tons of resources available. And of course, all of the links to all of that is at googleteachertribe.com slash 66. Oh my goodness. Tribe, did we get a ton of great stuff in this show? I mean, Mandy was amazing and had all of this cool stuff that we can start using immediately. Uh, We talked about Google Classroom. I mean, it was just kind of start to finish. We had a ton of good stuff, didn't we, Casey? 
Man, did that girl bring it. Mandy brought it to the show. So, um, love Mandy, and she just gave us some awesome resources. You know, um, that's that, that again, it's just one of those subjects that I think a lot of teachers really struggle with how to find good ways to use technology. And she gave us uh, a bunch today. We just have a whole list. So um, even if you don't teach math, share this with your math teachers. Yes, please do. And of course, um, if you if you haven't done so before, we would love it if you would consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes that helps us to be able to get the show out to as many people as possible. And please do be in touch on the GoogleTeacherTribe.com website and using the GT Tribe hashtag. So we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting GoogleTeacherTribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Hey Tribe, it's Matt here. Just wanted to take a moment and let you know about something exciting that's coming up. It is December, and for the last couple of years, that has meant that it's time for the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit, and the Ditch Summit is back again for its third year. If you're not familiar with this, it is a free online conference that I put on for educators, and this year it is running from December 14th through the 31st, and here's how it works. I will have nine brand new presentations, uh, video presentations, and they're um, just ready for you to watch as soon as they're made available. They're not live or anything, and they're on these great topics that I know that you're going to love. A variety of techie things. There's going to be plenty of Google stuff. And I basically spend the entire year looking for the presenters that I want to get into the summit. And so we will have those available for you to watch. Um, The videos will be released one at a time starting on December 14th until they're all released. Now, the good news is that in addition to the nine new video presentations we'll have this year, there are 26 other video presentations that we've had through various uh, summits that are going to be available too. Now, the beauty of all of this is that once you watch, you can also create a certificate of completion that you can print off or email and give to your school leadership for possible professional development credits. You'll have to check and see if they'll take those. But if they can, it's a whole bunch of free professional development. So if this sounds great, it sounds like something you want to do, head to ditchsummit.com. DitchSummit.com is where you can claim your free ticket so that you won't miss out on anything. So hopefully I'll get to see you there at the Ditch That Textbook Digital Summit. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, DitchThatTextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.